Single party consent means you can record anything you want, right? Because you're always going to know that you are recording. I'm not a lawyer. That's such a crazy way. That can't be how it goes. (laughs) But, okay, that also doesn't... So, you can record and it might be legal. Mm. Legal. But... Uh, whether or not it's then admissible in court is something different. Oh. I know for a fact some people that listen to this podcast have legal expertise. Yeah. And boy, if that wouldn't make my fucking blood oh, boil. Yeah. Brother, Just well, this two morons <laughs> speculating about legal precedent as if it's you can like work it out from first principles. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. I am Andrew. We're back. We're back, baby. Back uh, in the house, Corey style. That's <laughs> that's which Corey listener dealer's choice. <laughs> that's right, and that's also so Raven. <laughs> <laughs> yep. How was that? What'd you think of that? Yep. Is it good? <laughs> That'll do nicely. I think. <laughs> All right, so uh, it's been a little while since we posted a review. Fuck you. We don't owe you any apologies. <laughs> um, uh, an episode, of, you know what I mean. Uh, so I think last time we posted an app, we promised. And actually, fuck you, because we looked at our Spotify Wrapped, and you fuckers need to pick up the pace. Oh yeah, okay? we do not have. We are holding up our end of this not bargain. <laughs> All right, because there isn't a bargain, but you guys are dragging. Uh, our Spotify Wrapped uh, fucking stats said that. Only 11% of you cunts listen to most of our episodes. Yeah. What's going on? What is that? What are the rest of you doing? What are the other 89% of you doing? You're just like, what, <laughs> picking and choosing? We spend hours trying to decide on episode titles to lure you in. Yeah, forcing you. We talk about the movie last, so you have to listen to all the other bullshit. Right. We're recording this at the end of 2022. One of our Spotify rap stats said that 26% of 2021 listeners joined us again in 2022. <laughs> So, <laughs> so what? Seventy four percent. That's not a viable business model. So what I'll that means that. is seventy four percent of these people are new listeners. Yep, <laughs> that's actually that's not bad. And there's seventy four percent of the people from twenty twenty one that were like, right, nah, the, these guys. <laughs> these, it's like a relay race. They're like, nah, tag tag me yeah, up, brother. I've had enough. <laughs> the episodes are getting longer and more intermittent. <laughs> we definitely we did go we started to go very long and then mm. we've brought it right back down I think so we're not yeah. quite scraping in under an hour just yet but we're we're doing our fucking darndest yeah and this kind of this kind of uh, rot up at the start <laughs> of the episode doesn't fucking help right because in the edit you're like yeah it it would be better if I cut this out but it's funny and yeah, I'm having right. fun listening to it last and so that, should you be last that uh, probably related to. <laughs> The massive we amount of the about. massive amount of drop off that we have <laughs> is it says you, you in <laughs> across the ten episodes we've released so far this year we've released almost eleven hundred that's one thousand one hundred minutes worth of new content which is more than seventy five percent of other podcasters in our category that is crazy so they're what like are people doing you guys are podcast you guys episode? are releasing w- so much content. And no one is listening. To yeah, it. we're we're doing um we're doing George R R Martin. Where <laughs> once every eight years, we release a thousand pages. <laughs> it's George R R Martin, but if seventy five percent of the people that bought the new book have never listened to the, I've never read the old books. Uh, well, seventy five percent 
No, so what's this? That's mind fucking me. Is this that seventy five percent of twenty six percent of listeners from twenty twenty one also listened in twenty twenty two? So that means we lost a lot of listeners. Seventy four percent of people that listened in twenty twenty one, but yeah, that but could th- be people dabbling for one episode or some shit. Maybe. So like, yeah. But then it also says we gained followers in yeah, twenty twenty two. So I don't understand because we've got a bunch of different stats. None of them are actually particularly interesting for anyone but us to talk. We're like about. we're like those those gaming YouTubers that have been on YouTube for so long that they they've like their audience has like aged out of them like three times. <laughs> that's what <laughs> yeah. that's what's happening. We Perfect. just we just have like a a, a brutal audience. Like welcome back. Sorry. What, d- what, Hello. Welcome- <laughs> yeah. You don't know what we were just talking about, but uh, <laughs> I'm don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> this is going to be a well-oiled episode. Also, if that doesn't stay in, we're only talking about people listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast users. Love oh, you. yeah, true. Love That's you. right. Love that was girls. just Spotify. Right. Love you, Andes. You're all lovely people. <laughs> Unless you're still following that same pattern of stats, in which case, pick it up. Pick it up. Get Listen better. to all the Do episodes. Yeah. Tell friends to listen Turn to it. Turn your fucking notifs. So that we don't have to, like, I don't have to call you to tell you a new episode is out, okay? That's right. God damn. Here we are on a new episode. All right. So, uh, last episode, we said that we were going to be doing The Stranger and a movie called Sissy. It's Listeners, been- we don't always tell the truth and it's our fucking podcast. That's so right. It's up to us. Move on. I guess we've been the strangers all along. Move on from the podcast. Move on from the topic. (laughs) Stick with the podcast. It's good, we promise. That's right. Uh, So, The Stranger uh, is an Australian crime film that I think we'll sort of give a quick synopsis, a quick summary. You actually talked about it on the pod a few episodes ago. So, we can give our brief impressions of that. We'll give some brief impressions of Sissy so that we can fulfill our contractual obligations that we promised in the description of last week's episode. But the You can't get us. That's right. You're not getting us. (laughs) Uh, unless you're getting us more listeners, in which case you can get <laughs> you us can that and should get us. <laughs> uh, what, what, what we uh, watched more recently that I think we'll be able to discuss with more passion and reckless abandon is yep. the Triangle of Sadness. Mm. Uh, oh, I Arctic Monkeys did. It. Sorry, it's just called Triangle of Sadness. No, the uh, uh, they fucked you. Directed there, they? by Ruben Östlund. Yep, Östlund. Yep. Ruben Östlund, uh, which is like a black comedy kind of thing, that is in the cinema right guy. now. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about talk about a little bit of that to come later in the episode. So mm. stay tuned uh, for the moment. And, uh, spoiler alert: um, that movie is an absolute cracker. So stick around; it's a really good one. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Worth watching. <laughs> worth listening to us talk about watching it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, Ready to, ready to get a bit of news? Yeah, let's do some news. Beef bullet. All right. I was frantically trying to find some news today. I feel like one of the problems with leaving it so long between episodes actually is that it makes finding the news harder. Yeah. Because it's like six weeks worth of news. And you're like, fuck, Ferret through finding all the good ones. Exactly. So I'm not sure that what I've gotten here is a representative sample of all the news that I could have gone. But, you know, it's good enough, I think. So what I'm saying is the news I'm about to read is close enough. What we're saying is it ain't necessarily new, but go easy on us. That's right. That's right. Uh, headline number one: Jim Carrey almost got Satan's powers in an unmade Bruce Almighty sequel, Brucifer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading. I'm reading uh, from Sci- Tom, Tom Shady. Actually, have kept making movies, <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know what the fuck he's doing now, but goddamn! If you've seen Bruce Almighty, 
Brucifer is a one-word pitch. Yeah, exactly. Excellent so stuff. So funny. So, um, uh, also, very interesting question. What powers would Lucifer have had oh. that God did not have? All right, because so- he was he was God. You know what I mean? Assumedly, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel like the subtext of the story was that he could do fucking anything. All right, so uh, Bruce Almighty uh, opened in May two thousand and three, mm. and was insanely profitable. Yep. And apparently, the night it opened in theaters, purely thanks to me renting it from Video Easy. <laughs> oh yeah, you fucking frocked this movie, dude. I I whipped this movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the night it opened in theaters, apparently, the movie screenwriters ran into some producer right. and pitched him a hellish sequel idea <laughs> about Bruce gaining the powers of Satan, named. Brucifer. Um, the duo later brought the idea to Universal Pictures in 2010. What? But, but by then, the studio had already greenlit Evan Almighty. Greenlit, and then it, and then Evan Almighty had bombed. Yes. Uh, and so, like, well, we're not, we're not doing a, a fucking third one. Um, we went in and pitched it, but it never quite worked out because it was a bit later on. And blah, blah, blah. Um, so, why would Bruce? lose his faith and throw it in with the devil after being confronted with irrefutable evidence of a higher power their solution was simple Bruce's wife Jennifer Aniston needed to die you tend to lose your faith when the world seems unfair and that's 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 uh, what got him the screenwriter said what they could came from a serious place but we were going to write it in a very friendly way we certainly didn't want to depress people so I think that scared the studio a little bit but to Jim's credit he totally understood that we were going to make a big comedy and thought that everyone was going to connect with it uh, they proposed the idea of Bruce using his satanic powers to resurrect his wife right okay, so God can't bring people back from the dead other, other than when it's fucking uh, God will resurrect his kid so nepotism will get you get you fucking resurrected does he- but- does he do that in Bruce Almighty? I mean, I'm, I realize that I'm asking you, but I am the only person in this room who would know the answer to this question. I'm just trying to figure out if he brings someone back to life. I don't, know. I don't think so. And they, mm. so they said that uh, they, they said that uh, they were going to bring Jennifer Aniston back as a zombie, which is a fucking hilarious idea. <laughs> this is this is hilarious to people talking about mm. the movie. I I'm not seeing it. Right. It was going to be like the trials of Job. The, the world had not gone his way since he was God. Everything was great for a while. He was married and it all fell apart. Uh, but that that he, he was Job in the first movie, wasn't he? <laughs> like That's the reason why he became God was because Morgan... He complained so much that Morgan Freeman was like, all right, motherfucker, you try it for a bit and see how easy it is. That was the point. Like he went anyway. Okay, All right. sorry. You're you're right. You're the only one that can remember this. Yeah. But apparently, what well, that's it. Brucifer, one word pitch. Right. Very funny. Never happened. I was going to say the only power that he would gain that he didn't have while he was God was to perfectly impersonate Andy Kaufman. <laughs> <laughs> Good shit. Um, this is interesting. Uh, Taylor Swift has been greenlit by Fox Searchlight uh, to write yeah, and direct a, her this. debut movie. A lot of people a lot of people like Taylor Swift. Look, I'm curious to see where it goes. I'm curious I to see where it goes. I think that we need to stop doing that. She has apparently directed a whole bunch of her music videos. Harry Styles shouldn't have been in movies. <laughs> She's uh, she Lady directed Gaga a, is very questionable. Okay? Yeah. And Taylor Swift, I think we should probably start Drawing a line in the fucking sand here, people. Well, actually, I think you'll find... this is not going to stop 
It's not going to get any better than it is now. She directed a 15-minute sort of short film version of one of her songs, which starred Sadie Sink and some dude named Dylan O'Brien. Yeah, some music video. Apparently, it got a lot of buzz. It won three MTV Video Music Awards. Uh, I would assume that you can pay for those. And it's apparently technically eligible for the Oscars. Great. Well, let's see how it does. In the shorts category. So, yeah. uh, Taylor Swift has apparently already written... Uh, they're so. not out yet, no. They probably will be out by the time I release this, but you know, who knows. Um, <laughs> uh, she's apparently already already written the screenplay and she'll be directing it and there isn't much else uh, in terms of details that we have for it other than the fact that when she was interviewed when her short film was shown at the Tribeca Film Festival or the Toronto Film Festival or something and she said that uh, directors like Nora Ephron, Chloe Zhao and Greta Gerwig are influences on her directing yeah which are okay they're good names they're good names sure Nora Ephron is your fucking when Harry met Sally I think Chloe Zhao did the documentary about the people that live in caravans Greta Gerwig Barbie movie not out yet (laughs) lots of good touch points there in any case stay tuned for the Taylor Swift movie hot take Uh, if it does well it was ghost written damn that's what I think Andrew, I, I, I no do faith not think in that female writer directors. No, I got a lot of faith in female writer directors. <laughs> I think she should give the opportunity to one of them. Yeah, well, yeah, look, I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm not excited to see it. I remain open. I just op- get my fucking open hackles up when like a rich person just decides to it jump across like, to the other industry. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like there is someone who has nearly killed themselves to mm. get that opportunity, and they're never going to fucking get it. Because you were just in the right place with the right people. And also the fact that... Here's the cynical... Here's the actual cynical angle for me. Oh, here we go. Is that... So the way that producers think about funding movies is... By making these decisions, like how... When you attach people to projects, you're thinking like, how much how famous is that person? Exactly, how many asses on seats? And Taylor Swift, just like Harry Styles, is gonna fucking get so many asses on seats. Oh yeah, I think the movie is gonna be bad. I think if it's good, it wasn't necessarily her that was is to to thank for that. And I just don't. The Harry Styles one is a good example of everyone saying he was so shit in that movie. Brings me on to my next headline, which is actually how I f- sort of was reminded about this uh, Indiana Jones 5 that's happening. Oh, uh, yeah. There's this tweet that said, let's be clear about why I'm going to have my ass sat in that theater on opening weekend to go see Indiana Jones 5. And it's Phoebe Waller-Bridge that's right. looking stunning in the trailer. She uh, is yeah. playing... The second most stunning person in that photo. Auga. <laughs> she, she is playing uh, Indiana Jones's fucking... Goddaughter, I think. Who cares? She's in the movie. <laughs> She's great. Who cares? Fleabag's looking for some treasure. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um. So the new Indiana Jones movie has probably the worst title of anything I've ever heard. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. That's pretty fucking. Bad. Sounds like a fucking Harry I will Potter say, book or so a I fucking saw Kingdom Tintin of the Crystal novel. Skull. <laughs> and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was a terrible movie, and yeah. I kind of knew it at the time. But even the title, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, it's is cool better title. than Dial, dial of, of Destiny. Destiny. What, what else? Dial. What is, what is a dial? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Don't tell me what a dial is. Great title. Yep. Temple of Doom. Yep. Very hammy in the same kind of way, but I suppose it's it's been around for so but long that, that fits like, better with Indiana Jones. So. What's a di- the what dial di- of what destiny? Dial? I assume like there's going to be you can some, crank to change something. Maybe or there's going to be some kind of clock, some sort of magic clock. That's so fucking stupid. Is this thing on? 
No, I heard you. I was trying. I was trying to think like what they what they could have made that would have like phonetically been pleasing if they'd said clock instead. The clock. Is it like a sundial? It's ancient shit, right? Like it has to be. What what dial? What's old that has a dial? Yeah, know. well, like a sundial is a good one. Or like, because the first thing I think of is of a like rotary phone, and that's just that's <laughs> yeah, I yeah. already am thinking like this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What am I thinking? He's like raiding a house from the 1920s. Yeah, he's raiding an ex-government <laughs> furniture warehouse. Hell yeah. He's uh, Indiana Jones is so old. It's fucking Phoebe Waller Bridge raiding his storage unit. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. This is good. This has legs. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you what though. I watched the trailer just before you came around and. Fuck, I love Indiana Jones, man. I think I, I'm going to watch it I'm because Harrison watch it. Ford seems keen on it. Yeah. Um, and I'm much more keen on the people that are involved this oh, time. Yeah. That's fucking right. He's like 80 years old and it was Harrison yeah. Ford being like, I'm, I want to make another Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. Surely he doesn't need the money. Like, No, what? he doesn't. That's, what, that's how you know it's good is because he did Star Wars because he fucking basically had to and he hates Star Wars. Yeah. He's doing Indiana Jones because he loves Indiana Jones. So I, I think the passion is actually kind of there, and uh, I am. I wasn't keen for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't remember ever having watched any of the other three. I reckon I'm going to watch all three in the lead up to this one you, coming. The other, the, f- the other three are all great. They're, they're all, right on they're like all most top two fifty yeah. lists and stuff. The so other yeah. three are so good, especially whichever one it is. One of them, I think, is Raiders of the Lost. The Star. first one is yeah. yeah. The, the other three are so good. Uh, I'm very. I'm. I'm fuck it. I'm excited. Mm. I'm excited. Um. It's also got Mads Mikkelsen in it. Hell a whole bunch yeah. of other people. Love that motherfucker. John Rhys Davies, whose name rings a bell. Antonio Banderas. Uh, <laughs> someone whose name is Seanette. <laughs> which is... What is... This is rapidly devolving. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get rid of that one. All right. Uh, we could talk quickly about the Mario movie trailers that have come out. But I think, I think it's just an example of like... We were really excited for Sonic to be... Uh, shit and it mm. was like just a 6 out of 10 and I think that the Mario movie is going to be the same thing I think the Mario movie is just going to be like a solid 6 or 7 out of 10 not good enough to be yes. ex- to be like mind blowing not bad enough to be funny yeah it's not going to we're not getting a Sonic movie and we're not getting a Detective Pikachu from this one I think the fact that Chris Pratt is involved means mm. that it has the uh, Tightly gripped hands of profitable mediocrity around it, and uh, I probably won't see it. I uh, know I might go and see it, but I'm not. I am not assuming. Yeah, exactly. For it. I don't yeah. think it's going to be. I think the second that I leave the movie theater, I will. It's just it'll be like it. I'll forget it. Like I like it never had a face, yeah. and it'll just be like a mannequin's head of a film. You yeah. know what I mean? Just textureless, smooth, kind of nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's the same. That, that, that's me after every movie, actually. which is every Chris Pratt film, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also the fact that Chris Pratt's voice—it's just his voice. I'm so angry at them about that. And like, okay, twenty-five words or less. I just have to fucking say this: Nintendo is the dumbest company on the planet. They make so many fuck awful decisions. Yeah, the stupidest. In, I'm not talking company. movies here. I'm talking the, and listeners. If you don't play games, you you, you won't know what I'm talking about. But they are very, 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 very annoying about the they don't wonderful make money. old games that they have, <laughs> and they refuse to re-release the old games. 
even though they're not competition for their own market, yeah. like people would pay so much fucking money for a high quality release of old games, easy to access, and they ban people who are putting them up for free online. So they're like litigious yeah. around this stuff yeah. that they don't fucking act on. Yeah. And then they make... and So you think, okay, they're just really protective of their own IP, right? They just really give a fuck about saying, no, we control that and it's got to be sufficient but, for our standards. And then they fucking let this happen. Yeah, and then they put like Chris Pratt in a movie that looks like the most plastic fucking... Like, I will say... The rest of the cast are great. It's just Chris Pratt. A lot, of, a lot of the clips make the movie look quite charming and like there's lots of stuff happening in the... the I watched a clip today. It was, it's like a new clip they've released of like the Mushroom Kingdom-y bit with like him and Toad walking no, through. I only watched it the looks, first one. It looks kind of cool. It looks like there's a lot going on. I remain sceptical. Yeah. It's annoying that Chris Pratt's not doing I a funny Italian accent. Chris I just Pratt. I, I don't hate him. I just wanted someone to be doing a funny Italian accent. <laughs> I know that okay because I, I I'm also with them that like you can't have Charles Martinet who's the original voice of Mario you cannot have him doing the whole fucking movie no you can't no. right and the alternative is you have like the live action one that got made in like the 80s where it's Bob Hoskins and um all the other guys that were involved in whatever the fuck that one was, where yeah. they where the studio is basically like, oh, we've got the IP, but we don't give a fuck about video games. Who cares? So we're just going to make a movie about two Italian plumbers fighting monsters and stuff Truth that's shit. real. I want to watch that one, which actually. is so weird, and it's a bad <laughs> movie because no one, there was no like barely any actual passion for the source material involved. But now it's just so weird. It's just it feels. It Extremely just oh, it feels gross and cynical to me. So I'm assuming that the fact that yeah, I'm assuming it will be fine, but not memorable or good or beloved in any way. And they yeah. will be the creators of that from the production perspective will be perfectly happy. And for it's that the Despicable Me people, so it's, it's going to be fine. And it, yeah, whatever. We haven't seen the movie. Despicable Me was good, but we're yeah, going to watch it. Feel as fine. cynical as this. At least Despicable yeah. Me was fucking new IP. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I've, I've got two more. Great. Have you heard about this movie, Cocaine Bear? Yes, that's Scorsese's new one, isn't it? No. So, this is a movie directed by Elizabeth Banks. Fuck, what's Scorsese's new one? I don't know. Shut up. Flowers of the <laughs> Child Moon or Thank something. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Why did I think about... Yeah, anyway. Cocaine Bear is an upcoming American black comedy thriller film directed and co-produced by Elizabeth Banks. Premise is, after ingesting a, <laughs> after ingesting a duffel bag full of cocaine, an American black bear goes on a murderous rampage in Georgia where a group of locals and tourists must join forces in order to survive the attack. <laughs> Who? Based on the true story yeah. of a black bear who ingested a duffel bag full of cocaine <laughs> in 1985. Uh, yeah, I'll probably see this one. I'm excited honest. for this movie. I think that'll be. Uh, I think that'll be good. Uh, using a real incident where a drug runner from the 1980s dropped a stash of cocaine in in a national park in Georgia, which was then found by a black bear, uh, uses that story as a springboard. The movie tells an imagined story of what might have happened in the following 24 hours. <laughs> Various characters come to the bear. The, the bears coked up orbit and it doesn't end well for many of them um uh mostly though cocaine bear promises a a much a, a gory comedy with banks saying she's channeling sam Raimi, john carpenter blah 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 blah, blah. um yeah i was gonna uh, say the writer has not done very many things well fingers crossed it'll be all <laughs> what right. has been done has not been received very well oh god but that is uh, totally fine <laughs> Though Elizabeth Banks was committed to real in-camera effects for the bloody outcome of its coke-crazed rampage, the bear is an entirely CG creation. 
Yeah. Boo. No shit. Which is like, we didn't give an actual black bear cocaine. Yeah, and also, like, we didn't make a realistic bear suit that yeah, Andy Circus yeah. gets in. Oh, I would love that. If it was just yeah. Jesse Eisenberg in a bear suit. They yeah, just, exactly. They just co- <laughs> coked up Jesse Eisenberg running rampage in the Georgian woods. Also, um, Ray Liotta is in that movie, and obviously we lost him, I think, earlier this year. Yeah. And so this could be one of the last Ray Liotta films that gets Oh, released. fuck he is. That's so funny. God, that rules. <laughs> uh, all right. Last, last headline. Here we go. Um, Avatar 4 script got zero studio notes and left executives saying, holy fuck, says James Cameron. Yeah. So this is, <laughs> there's so much to unpack in this. I saw this quote. There's so much to unpack here because number one, the quote is from James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> who yeah. fucking hates studio executives. Yeah. Number two, holy fuck, not a valenced phrase. Yeah. Okay. Could really go either way. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Zero the- notes could be, I'm not touching this. Holy fuck. Yeah. Go and rewrite it from the ground up. Yeah. So I've got <laughs> so that's the good point actually. So I've got the full the full story here from Variety. Uh James Cameron, so apparently the way that they've structured these movies is the first three have all been Greenland. Sorry. Two and three have been shot at the same time. Yes. So and two so and three are coming out and four and five are contingent on two and three doing well. Right. So, yes. But he's written four and five already, yes. apparently. Like I saw a headline today being like, the uh, the Navi are coming to Earth in Avatar 5. <laughs> <laughs> we are already spoiling that they don't get extincted in the earlier ones. Fuck yeah. Anyway, here we go. Um, so he was talking about, uh, so he's speaking to Collider about the new Way of Water movie that's about to come out. Collider. Uh, I hardly so, know. <laughs> fuck yeah. In, the, in that chat, James Cameron revealed that the Avatar 4 script was the first Avatar sequel to not receive a single note from studio executives. Quote, I can't tell you the details, but all I can say is that when I turned in the script for The Way of Water, the studio gave me three pages of notes. When I turned in That's the script- not a lot for a feature film. When I turned yeah. in the script for Avatar 3, they gave me one page of notes. So I was getting better. When I turned in the script for Avatar 4, the studio executive, uh, the creative executive over the films, wrote me an email that said, holy fuck. <laughs> and I said, well, where are the notes? And she said, those are the notes. Because it kind of goes nuts in a good way, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you think James Cameron is Italian? (laughs) God, I hope so. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, mm. this is this feels like marketing, but um, it does, doesn't it? You know, this is this is interesting. How do you like this? Um, Unlike what you just said. <laughs> yeah, shut the fuck up. This is great. Uh, so he's so he's talking about the idea um, of what you said about uh, they've already shot and they're already released two and three, and then four and five aren't going to come out unless those do well. Yes. Uh, and he says uh, that. So they've already finished shooting Avatar 3, which has been designed in a way where it can be turned into the franchise's conclusion should The Way of Water not perform at the box oh, office. Oh, okay, sure, interesting. So he's written Avatar 3 in a way that's going to make it feel like an ending. Or they've filmed two different versions and they'll just uh, use the edit. Of, you're not thinking like a, like a studio guy. I'm not thinking right like now. a smart person. Yeah. <laughs> you're thinking like someone that wants the artistic integrity of the project to not be contingent <laughs> upon whether or not there are sequel opportunities, brother. And boy, yeah. you, you're a stupid fuck for thinking that way. Okay? Yeah. You're an idiot. That's right. Fuck me, I guess. You don't make one movie, you make two whole movies <laughs> and then release the one that's better. Okay. Fuck yeah. Um couple couple last headlines. Uh, they're making a Mean Girls movie version of the musical. 
So they, they're now, fil- sorry, just okay. Shut up, sorry, just shut two up. seconds. Now, wh- what was the original source of the musical? The Mean Girls movie. Okay, so sorry. So, so then they turned the Mean Girls movie into a musical, and now they're turning the musical into a movie. Okay, but yeah, if we just take once once more, Angori Rice is going to be in it. There's already a Mean Girls movie. Yeah, That's but they don't, they don't where the sing in it. Oh, do they from. sing in the original Mean Girls? Oh, fuck. They're turning it into a musical movie. Yeah. I'm I'm going to fucking do something drastic. <laughs> mean Girls musical, baby. And the, the craziest thing is that T- Tina Fey has been attached to all three projects. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, she'll uh, be and like an There's a teaser that's been released for Bong Joon-ho's new movie. It looks like a sci-fi uh, oh he, yeah, he didn't he's working with Robert Pattinson, right? Yep, uh, yeah, nice. and Tony Collette and Mark Ruffalo. Okay, Hulk style. Yep, nice. Yep, and Stephen Yuen. That's pretty cool. And some lady named Naomi, which is interesting because Hulk's Marvel, but Batman's DC, uh, and Tony Collette hasn't <laughs> done one of those movies yet. So no. So there you go. We'll see Stay what tuned. they do with that. That's our bumper news segment. Uh, that's all we got. Uh, should we launch into a bit of beefness or pleasure? Yeah, let's do it. Let's keep this one short. Or pleasure, of course, the segment where uh, every week, of course, we dedicate uh, every week. Who are we kidding? Every episode, uh, <laughs> we dedicate a significant portion of the program to a movie of the week. This week, we have got a movie of the week coming up, mm. but we also sort of watch a main stuff. course, if you will. That's right. That's that's the that's the beefness. But we also watch movies on our downtime. We watch shit for pleasure. We watch shit just for the thrill of the chase. For me. Just for us. That one's for me. Just I'm for Andrew. That one. Just for me. <laughs> we watch things just for Andrew. We watch. We watch The Irishman. We watch The Bear three times. Do we? <laughs> um, and that's what we're talking about right now. Is just other shit that we've been watching in the last few weeks. Uh, and I'll be honest. Uh, I haven't. For a podcaster who's had six weeks off, I really haven't watched that many movies. I have spent most of Oscar watched. Oscar watched eight movies worth of one television That's series. That's right. I spent the last six weeks watching uh, every single episode of Mad Men. Yeah, you're in the M hole. <laughs> <laughs> the ham hole. <laughs> really didn't expect that one to go off, did you? Um, anyway, I've had a good feeling about I'm it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, right. Back yourself. Good. I really love Mad Men, man. Uh, <laughs> That's that's that, that, I really, <laughs> really <laughs> I really love Mad Men. I really love Mad Men Man. It's hard. It's hard to say. It really took me by surprise. Um everyone knows Mad Men. Uh fucking John Ham. John Ham plays Don Draper, the world's best advertising creative guy. The uh, mad man himself. In New York in the 50s and 60s. He's the second uh, maddest man after Max. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I watched Mad Men, I was a little too young for it, I think, and I sort of got a bit <laughs> bored by the slow yeah, pacing of it. 23. <laughs> oh, I, d- I don't know. I just I just feel like maybe it's just sort of coming back to it later. I, uh, I was more prepared to sort of 
sink a lot of time. You are more into... disillusioned and miserable, like the main character. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, so it was like, oh, look, I'm close. I'm close to the thirty. Uh, <laughs> I'm in a spot where just watching you didn't someone have the, be. Damn, he's just like me for real. <laughs> That's right. Moment. I'm in a spot where watching someone be miserable for seven seasons. I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Finally. Yeah. If he just buys this one thing, or does this one thing, or is with this one person, he'll be he'll be happy this time for sure. Yeah. I really loved it. I just wanted to mention it just to say, like, the first time I watched the Mad Men, I sort of didn't get uh, past the first few eps in season one. It's worth sticking through because I think it like, AMC. Yeah, because yeah. I, th- I think once you get through the first heart, the first season, it really picks up and it starts to get like a lot funnier and a lot tighter. And the story is really well written, really compelling, really and well written. Lots of themes and stuff. And I love, I love the way it ended. Um, and I, I like the way I a actually lo- don't know how it ended. So no spoilers. Wild. Uh, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but like I like the way that a lot of the themes uh, and ways that the character motivations all play out are very. They sort of trust you. To follow yeah. along with what's happening, it's not like saying like Don Draper is depressed and Don Draper yeah. is chasing he things in life to give him satisfaction, yeah. right? So, really enjoyed that. That's what I've spent most of the last six weeks doing, and I'm finally finished. Mm. Um, did and I now, how you? do you feel? Oh yeah, great. I'm healed. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, did I tell you that uh, when I was watching the last episode, I didn't realize it was the last episode? No, you didn't. I thought that there were eight seasons. There are only seven seasons. Wow. And so I was so getting... So you wily coyoted off yeah, the edge so, of a oh, fucking right. cliff. Exactly. So I was getting to the end. So I finished the episode and I was sort of thinking about, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of... A lot of stuff's wrapping up here. And then, wow. And then uh, the last episode finishes the way it does. And then the credits just play. And I was like, oh, that's weird. They didn't, it's not like skip to season eight, episode one. Shit. And I got out of it and thought, like, no, 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 no. And so yeah, like, I'll be yeah. honest, part of it was kind of rude. You were so ready for the next bit of it. Isn't yeah. this, does, doesn't this say a lot about society? <laughs> that you were so ready for the next <laughs> bit I of it appre- that you missed yeah. what was right in front of Honestly, you. Honestly, it kind of ruined part of the appreciation of the last episode yeah, for me. Yeah, of course. You, yeah. You're like, I'm not done. I don't have to care about it yet. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like uh, watching your kids grow up. Great ending, though. Um, the one movie that I wanted to mention that I really liked in the last little while is See How They Run. Victim's name is Leo Kopernik, sir. Seems he was killed in the costume store. And then he was deposited here. Staged, so to speak. Sorry, sir. How much longer do you intend to hold us all hostage? Or is that the idea? Gather all the suspects and interrogate each of us in turn until the mystery is solved? Marvin Cochranar's overrated playwright. Celebrated playwright? Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I can't read me on hand right now. There was an incident. I'll kill you. <gasps> it's as good as a confession. It's not jump to conclusions, constable. What do we have here? <laughs> Working late, huh? You killed Kopernik to hush up the affair. Case closed. I'm doing it again, aren't you, sir? Jumping to conclusions. Okay. Yeah. You've never heard of Richard Attenborough. A real-life detective. I understand that you came to blows tonight in question. It was me, Inspector. I arrest you for the murder of Leo no, Cochran. No, no. We have a serial killer on the loose. Please stand back. He keeps the key. Ah! Under the mat. We are no longer merely suspects. 
We are also potential victims. So what did he do that made you suspicious? It wasn't so much what he did, it was more the way he did it. How did he do it? Sort of suspiciously. It's uh, directed by a guy I've never really heard of, but, but basically it's set in London in the 50s. <laughs> oh, Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Rockwell and Saoirse Ronan are the two leads in this movie. Sam Rockwell plays like... We got uh, ourselves a period piece, fellas. That's right. <laughs> and lady fellas. <laughs> um, Sam Rockwell plays a, a detective investigating a murder that has happened backstage at the theatre where the mousetrap play is put on and if you've never heard of the mousetrap it's a famous play it's a real play that was written by agatha christie that uh is still running and it's the longest running uh play in the west end i think ever it's been on since like the 30s or something and it's still running today Mm. and so this is set in like a fictional world where someone is murdered backstage at the mousetrap uh, and so it's kind of a bit self-referential in ways where if you're familiar, when I was on my gap year in uh, England like 10 years ago, I went to see The Mousetrap. Oh, right. And so, yeah, because I was a big Agatha Christie head. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're familiar with The Mousetrap, there's lots of clever, meta, self-referential references to it. Uh, in a way that makes the movie even more fun to watch and there's lots of sort of cheeky, winky references to it. Yeah, it's very meta. Yeah, but you don't need to have seen or know about The Mousetrap to like the movie and the movie doesn't spoil The Mousetrap, which is cool. Um, I really liked it. I think that I would probably uh, like it in terms of quality of like mystery and storytelling and humor and everything. It's like it's up there with Knives Out for me, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, really that was kind it. of the vibe that I got. I don't know if they kind of saw the success of um, Knives Out and sort of tried to capture a bit of the essence, but I just, I don't know why, I just kind of did connect them in my head. I don't know, yeah. maybe it's a similar, maybe it's common producers or something. But This is, yeah, this is definitely a bit goofier than Knives Out in a very silly charming silly kind of way but I wasn't expecting it to be as silly as it is I think Mm. the best example of uh, I was going to say there's a a couple moments of meta humour that were a bit annoying for me like they're telling a story in a flashback and in the flashback the screenwriter is having an argument with the movie producer that gets murdered about the direction of the script and the movie producer suggests a flashback and the screenwriter's like well no but I hate flashbacks yeah, you like you can't do that. That's it would be stupid to do that. Yeah, and exactly. Then it, and then it really and then it happens. does that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of other sort of screwball stuff. Saoirse Ronan is so funny, and I don't think I've seen her do much in the way of comedy. Yeah, uh, and she's really great at that. And Sam Rockwell, I think, is one of my. I don't think Sam Rockwell gets enough props. I don't Man, think he ever gets since enough I saw co- him in fucking Moon. Yeah, I've really loved him. He's I think like he's one of the best actors working at the moment. One of my favorite comedic actors. He's yeah. so fucking funny in everything he's done, and this is no exception. He's so great. So see how they run. If you're not a Sam Rockwell convert yet, go and watch Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. He rules. Holy that. fuck! Is he that rules a that tough movie. sell for a character, and he manages to sell it to you? Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. See how they run. Worth seeing. I watched it on Disney Plus. Unfortunate, but you know, uh, I don't pay for my Disney Plus, so mm. it's great. Mm. 
Well, so the mousetrap is a real play, but the only yeah. real play I'm interested in <laughs> is... Uh, Andrew's been watching the World Cup. Uh, uh, role play in a, in a <laughs> sexual sense. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, I actually feel like there's a type of play that I, I was on my phone the whole time Oscar was talking about that, trying to find a type Rude. of sex play. Because I felt like there was one <laughs> that I was thinking of that would be a funny punchline. But I couldn't find it. I Great. Was it, wor- was it worth not listening to me for that long? I was, I was, I was sort of tuned in. Yeah, in a sort of way. That's I don't know. You, you tell me. Did we, you we, feel we, like we, I was ignoring we, you? We, we, yes. Yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I think the lack of eye contact or engagement. Which <laughs> <laughs> two key indicators. Yeah. All right. Someone two, reads two, body language. Two things right, I missed. I get it. All right. Other than the lack of eye contact and engagement, I didn't notice. Well, um, uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone, huh? <laughs> 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 and sometimes even when I have it, it really don't feel yeah, like I'll I tell have you what, it. I'm about to fucking pave paradise, <laughs> alright. <laughs> uh the uh, the only other thing I prom- we promised to mention is the stranger. Andrew talked about it a couple week a couple episodes ago. Uh I watched it. The twenty six percent of you still fucking hanging around. Go yeah, back and listen to that that right. you've already heard. I watched it, really loved it. Just to reiterate Andrew's position on the stranger, fantastic uh modern Australian crime movie. Yeah. Uh, the cunts from Based on a uh, real story Green Knight Is great in Sean it Sean Harris Sean Harris He's so good in it Joel Edgerton Joel Edgerton Is so good in it It's a very It's a very slow And moody uh, But is always Suspenseful Tense and brooding And uh, unsettling Yeah and there's enough uh, I wouldn't call them Like twists and turns But there's enough Like yeah, big changes In the way the story dire- Direction is say. going yeah. yeah Or it'll be like This Alright this part of the movie Is where this new thing Is happening And then this part of the movie Is where this new thing Is happening yeah. There's enough like Sort of sections And modules to the movie Almost where I think that uh, It really keeps it going In a way that I've never seen it In many other like of these slow crime drama sort of things mm. before where it sort of still maintains that sense of suspense and tension the whole way through. Yeah. Uh, and I think that if you know nothing about it, that's a great way to go in. If you just want to watch like a uh, a crime drama and that's and that's all, it's a cop procedural, I think is the only other thing that I would say is a lot of police it's, procedural sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's a crime drama based on a true story. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's not... True crime, it's fictionalized, but it's based on a book that's about this the Daniel Morecambe abduction that yeah. happened in Australia. So, so worth worth It's going also to an see. Australian movie through and through, and it's incredibly high quality, really well made. Uh it's just I don't know, it was a, an absolute treat. Yeah, um, def- definitely worth watching. So if you have a chance to watch it, it'll it's out of um cinemas by now, I'm sure, but I think it's on it's a Netflix movie, right? Yeah, so I think so it's it is on Netflix. On, it's on yeah. Netflix, great. Um, what have you got, brother? Um Okay, well, I mean, we also... So, the only one that I really wanted to talk about was... Um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll steal two, one of which we've both seen, uh, and we'll be quick. The other one of which uh, I watched. Um, we both saw Bones and All. Dad! You didn't. When the cops get here, you have to be good and gone. I came help you anymore i know it's not your fault you were born this way you ate them i believed you had to i don't know why i smelt you i didn't know i could do that i thought i was the only one i don't want to hurt anybody famous last words are there lots of us i don't actually meet many others why did you have to bring me along? 
You seem nice. I am nice. I came looking for you. I smelled you. Can you smell me half a mile away? Can you do that? Not that far. I got rules. Never, never, ever ate an eater. I thought you might be hungry. For hens? No. Who lives here? Is there someone dead up there? Not gonna be like that. We don't have many options. Either you eat, you off yourself, or you lock yourself up in there. We're dangerous. One of us. Jake's teaching me how to smell other eaters. <laughs> but we can hurt one another just as bad. Go, 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 go. It's too much. You gotta do this. We have to do it. You've been following me. We got unfinished business. You don't think I'm a bad person. All I think is that I love you. Which is uh, the latest movie with um, Timothy Chalamet in it. Uh, people probably mostly know him. It's directed by Luca Gaudanino, who also did Call Me By Your Name and the Suspiria, uh, I don't know, re- reboot, I guess, would you yeah, call it? Yeah, remake sort of thing, um, yeah. And I was pretty cold on this movie. Honestly, I did not really enjoy it. Yeah, um, I didn't I didn't like it much either. Yeah, there were a couple of things that just bugged me about it. It felt very... So the, premise i guess without spoiling is um the main character uh is a has a compulsion towards cannibalism and it's also a coming of age story i guess so it's you know so the way that it handles those two things in my opinion uh becomes a bit like oil and water for me it never really manages to to mix those two things in a way that I think is meaningful. I think it approaches a whole bunch of themes that it could have satisfyingly engaged with around, like, um, I mean, there's a lot of, like, stories of, like, absent, important male family members, and there's a lot of themes around uh, finding your way in the world as a teenager that have been done a lot before, and it could have had a really unique twist on those kind of things, and I felt like it just didn't have a really unique twist on those kind of things. I don't think so, no. And I think the cannibalism thing is a good way of, like, sort of hyper-exaggerating that, like, teen trope of being like, oh, no one understands me, and I'm I'm different, and I have this this thing that, like, is... setting me apart from everyone else in the world and right. no one really gets uh, which which is a sort of a great I, I thought it, as a device I think it would be an interesting way of doing that and I think that there's lots of stuff in the movie that it did really well I think visually I really liked this movie it uh, was really well shot yeah yeah, and I think a lot of the it, it's, it's sort of set in like a 70s 80s kind of period and I think that it really nails that and it depicts she, she as part of sort of being driven out of home she goes on this sort of road trip through rural middle America, which is not an area of America that you commonly see in cinema. And I really enjoyed seeing the sort of uh, uh, gas stations by the side of wheat fields and that that sort of stuff. I yeah, really I thought it was does cool. That really well. And the small town stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the sort of the ambiance of everything, but the writing, like the, the dialogue 
in each individual scene. Yeah. And then the major story through lines were just so boilerplate and either like there was lines that you'd be laughing at or it's being based like, on a this book feels and I'm like first draft stuff. stuff quite closely to the book but um yeah. I don't that you had a choice there and I think I don't know it didn't work for me. Yeah. I just think the implications of the coming of age stuff have their own set it's sort of you know you're setting up a universe where like you're you have a certain level of importance that you attach to certain things like fitting in becomes very important in coming of age stuff like personal identity becomes very important yeah all that kind of shit and then you've got this cannibalism narrative where like the implication of the ethics of killing someone is very important to your self-identity and how are you going to stay alive if you need this kind of thing becomes very important. And it sort of treats those two things as equally important without really justifying that being placed at the same hierarchy. Yeah. And that really frustrated me. And also I hated the editing just quietly. Um, I didn't notice the editing, but yeah, I remember you commenting on and it. And apparently yeah. that's just kind of one of the director's things. So, I don't know. I haven't seen his other stuff. I did hear that, like, um, this marries the tenderness of Call Me By Your Name with, like, the grossness of Suspiria. And Which it's is what everyone of, was clamoring for. <laughs> well, right. And it's, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Maybe it does manage to marry those two things in a way that people have felt like he hasn't managed to do before. But also, like, I don't know. I, I just didn't enjoy it. Sorry. It was like a two and a half out of five for me. I just yeah, me was too. mostly frustrated by it. Yeah. The other one that I want to talk about was I did actually finally watch Blonde. Miss Monroe, it's time. You get your start. Maybe. What start? In movies. Continental. But diamonds are a girl's best friend. I guess I was discovered. Men broke home as girls. I know you're supposed to get used to it. And we all lose our jobs in the end. I've played Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Monroe. I can't face doing another scene with Marilyn Monroe. Marilyn doesn't exist. When I come out of my dressing room, I'm an army jean. I'm still hurt when the camera's rolling. Marilyn Monroe only exists on the screen. The uh, Netflix feature film about Marilyn Monroe mm-hmm. based on a book um, that I can't fucking remember the name of that's already been the subject of a lot of criticism. Anyway, it's got Anna de Armas as um, Marilyn Monroe. I had some questions about this. I'm keen to hear what you thought about sure. it. Sure. I actually, I'm sorry I'm a misogynist because I liked it. Damn. Um, I Canceled. thought it was like, I would give it like a three... 
I, I'd give it like a seven out of ten for like the way that it executed what it was trying to do, but like a nine out of ten for how ambitious it was. So um, what is it? Because I've heard people it say is, that it's it is not essentially a biopic. It is, but it's a biopic or a bio a biopic. Fuck you, biopic. But it's a biopic based on. Uh, based on a book that takes a lot of liberties about the real person. Right. And so it it is about Marilyn Monroe, but I think it's I think it actually probably could have avoided a lot of the criticism that it got leveled at it if it had just literally named the character someone else. Because I have I've heard people say it's kind of it's kind of better if you think about it more as like a movie about fame. I think or it is, about and I think he, celebrity kind of thing instead of being about a specific real right. person. To me, it, it's it is more like a fable than a biopic. I think yeah, it is cool. a. I think it comes across as a real cautionary tale. I think I benefited a lot in my viewing experience, knowing very little about the real life of Marilyn Monroe. I'd, I'd never really looked anything up about right. her, or, or or didn't know much. Um, and I guess I can see. Why some people would find it distasteful or frustrating? Well, like after looking up stuff about her life. Yeah, if you knew a lot about her and you felt like it was grossly misrepresenting the experiences that it that happened to her, I don't think it was ever. I don't think it's ever misrepresenting them. Like it's not ascribing more blame to her for what happened to right. her or anything. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not like ethically complicating the story anymore. I think it sort of hams some stuff up for to to kind of heighten the emotion and um there's some stuff that is just questionably true about like the 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 decisions she made around childbirth and that sort of thing and abortion. Um so I do feel like it fits more as like a kind of parable based on real events. It's also like 70 years or whatever since Marilyn Monroe was even relevant. Yeah. Like so I kind of think we're sort of getting into the territory where yeah you can sort of just no one's getting angry about a fucking story about like Alexander the Great that doesn't stick accurately to the historical record. So I don't know. I, kinda, I suppose like being it's not like, as I, I'm she's one of those icons. That's a bad example. Don't yell yeah. at me for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At your cast area, like I understand how it's different, especially in a patriarchal society that we live in, especially with the implications of women in Hollywood at that time, all that sort of stuff. But I'm just saying, I think uh, it suffers a lot from the fact that it that it was based on a real character. And I think the actual assembly of the film itself, right. the performance it's given, the writing and the way that it's shot is um, very, very engaging. I was going to say, yeah, what do you mean by about ambitious? W- what about it, it is does, it that you really like? Uh, stuff with the cinematography. I don't know how to talk about it other than like, it's really interesting because it actually does a lot of different stuff. It, it changes aspect ratio a bunch of times depending on the mood. It changes lighting style depending on the mood. Some of it is shot on like these incredibly distorting vintage lenses that blow out the rest of the world around Marilyn. And then sometimes it's like ultra clear widescreen when she's in like an office with a producer or something. Is it all in black and white? No, it's not. It's It changes depending on what the... The, the tone of the mood is. So yeah, sometimes, yeah, right. And it, it doesn't... It's not just flashbacks or flash... Like flash forwards of the current time or anything like yeah. that. Um. So I think it is actually like an incredibly well-directed film. I, I, I think the cinematography, the lighting, the production design, and the soundtrack are all remarkably good. Soundtrack's done by uh, Nick Cave, I believe. Yeah, and cool. The and the other guy, guy that I can't remember. Warren Ellis. Maybe? Warren Ellis, fucking yeah. well done. Um, yeah, and I think it just... 
really, I don't know, it um the way that it builds up the characters around uh, so obviously like uh, Anna Armas does a commanding performance. I think she does a wonderful job of the character. Does she, she spends an uncomfortable amount of time on screen crying, but I think the way that it gives you these moments of joy and of safety and comfort in her life, the way that it maneuvers her to the point where she feels safe and comfortable, feels very earned and satisfying, and then the way that it rips away that safety and comfort and strips her down. And um, People have said it feels like it's, it's removing her agency as a character. I actually think that's really not true. That's not how I read it at all. I think she just learned to take the path of least resistance because it was either opting out of thinking about what she was doing or like opting out of resisting or it was misery constantly and i think she made active choices i just think that the structures that she was in made her make those active choices to the point where she became like like a half of her previous self it's a bit of a tragic story with it's very tragic yeah Yeah, exactly and she ends up yeah i mean like this is real so spoiler alert sorry if you don't know what happened to marilyn monroe but she dies of a drug overdose which is depicted in the film and so like the way that it gets you there from this young person starting out in the industry except she has a very traumatic experience at the start the way that it maneuvers through the initial trauma and the way that she navigates through all of her stardom and then the the way that it falls apart and the wheels come off at the end, I found to be very satisfying. I think yeah, it is a cool. good movie, I but I do never... understand people's knee-jerk reaction to it and I think that there's some validity to the criticisms of this being about a real person, but I also think some people are instinctively rejecting it in a way that is not fair to the art. Yeah, sure. Film. I hadn't, hadn't really considered watching it. You might might have sold me. I'll have to go in on it. It's also fucking long, and I can understand that criticism. Yeah. Oh, he's um, off board. Can I, yeah, can I ask a very superficial question that you might be annoyed by? Sure. Does she have, like, a Cuban accent? Yes. Uh, so, she's doing her best... And I don't, but I don't really think she's particularly trying very hard to cover up the accent at all. Um, Isn't that weird? Sometimes it feels a bit weird. An actor, I think it just kind of helps you to think about it not being an an impression, basically. Um, Yes, it's weird, but she also looks a fucking lot like her, and she manages. Like I think it is kind of perfect casting in a way that she manages to capture the spirit. Of spirit is a bad word, but like the I think a lot of people see in Anna de Armas what a lot of people saw in Marilyn Monroe, and I mean that right. both in the uh, the the beauty and the admiration and the maybe even like pedestalizing, yeah, that's a word yeah. of that person, but also in the exploitation and the male gaze and all that kind of shit that she had to deal with. And so I think there are so many parallels there that she manages, I don't know, I'm assuming through lived experience and also research and work to capture that in a way that feels very satisfying. But yes, she does at times have the accent and you sort of just think it's some like adopted thing that this character has. Yeah, So it never really broke me out of it. Yeah, fair enough. Did you know that Anna de Armas learned English after being cast in her first Hollywood movie? Did you hear the story about... So, she was she was cast in that uh, War Dogs movie with Jonah Hill and... Uh, oh, shit. That was like 2014 or something. Yeah. Jesus Jonah Christ. Hill and what's the fucking uh, Magic Mike guy? Channing yeah, Tatum. Channing Tatum. Yeah. And so, she had a part in... I think it's that movie. 
and they re- the, the producers or directors or whatever realized that she had learned all her lines phonetically. And when, not in an understanding. Yeah. yeah, when they asked for like some change to a line and it completely threw her. Right. And so she learned English like after doing that movie. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, yeah, so she has only spoken English since then. She's like an adult English speaker then. That's crazy. Yeah, I absolutely. Think she absolutely must be so. so fucking smart. Yeah, wow. So she, yeah, she like I started- I think the work that she can do is incredible. Yeah, started learning English to the point where she's playing a native English speaker- Fucking Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, and she's like... Like eight years later or whatever. She's really in it. Uh, like, I don't know. She does long... It, like, extended takes where she starts off joyous and ends miserable. Or you can see, like, sometimes she's talking to her mum and it's not a scene where she cries or anything. But, like, there's a scene where her mum doesn't recognise her and she's trying to keep up the happiness. Right. And it's so clear that underneath it's not there but she's keeping it up the whole like time anyway layers. yeah that's yeah cool. so she's doing these yeah. like insanely like multi-layered performances um i mean i don't think anyone even the people who hate the film the most have been critical of her performance of the the thing so at the very least yeah i don't know i think it was a very interesting movie it made me think a lot i've talked to a lot of people about it i've had some really interesting discussions and i think probably that was more of the director's aim than to like you know, exploit the legacy of Marilyn Monroe. Or yeah, cool. It sounds like, yeah, you know, I'll check it out. Yeah. You've got me convinced. Uh, should we talk about Triangle of Sadness? Yes, let's do it. So, is this casting for a grumpy brand or a smiley brand? So, it's a grumpy brand, yeah. Congratulations! Show me that Balenciaga look. Oh, Suddenly, I'm dressed in something way less expensive. It's H&M! Yay! Balenciaga and H&M. Balenciaga and H&M. So what do you do? I sell shit. The success of a luxury cruise depends on you. It's always yes sir, yes ma'am. I command you, enjoy the moment. I don't want to hear anybody saying no. No? No? No. (laughs) What? You say no to me? No, no. So it's yes. Yeah, no. Yes. Go in. Yes. (laughs) The sails. Do you think it's possible to wash them? I don't think that's possible, ma'am, because this is a motorized vessel. Yeah. So we don't have any sails. It doesn't look well. The Russian capitalist. And an American <laughs> communist. <laughs> On a $250 million luxury yacht. The ship is going under. We have to work together, create a good group, good society. This is really bad. This is really, really bad. Uh, all right, so Triangle of Sadness is a, uh, Wikipedia says, satirical black <laughs> com- comedy film written and directed by Ruben Östlund, who is a, Östlund. a Swedish filmmaker, and this is apparently his first English language movie. He's done a few movies previously that have been in languages that aren't English. So, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, there's a chance that listeners might have seen fucking uh, Force Majeure. Um, f- or f- force majeure, 
uh, back in 2014, or The Square, um, which is about like the art collecting world back in 2017. Yeah, so this this one, uh, the, the, the brief synopsis that Letterboxd gives is that uh, models Carl and Yaya are invited for a luxury cruise with a rogues gallery of super rich passengers. At first, all appears Instagrammable, but the cruise ends catastrophically, uh, and the group have to find themselves dealing with that catastrophe. Censoring a bit of the bit of the, the letterbox summary there. Um, yeah, it's interesting because when he was talking about this stuff in the promo, things at can that I was watching, he just uh, he just straight up said the thing that you were talking around. Yeah. Um, so uh, we'll also start. I don't really. I mean, I I probably would prefer not to know that going into yeah, it. Yeah. So, so, so I yeah. think I think that the way that, so we we listen to a podcast uh, that has a lot of overlap with the sort of content that we end up talking about because we have similar taste and whatever. So the way that they pitched it on that podcast that made me want to see it was they said, this is kind of very similar tonally uh, and in terms of sense of humor and plot structure and everything to the first season of The White Lotus. Mm. So if you enjoyed The White Lotus, this is like The White Lotus, but on a cruise ship. Right. So... uh, if that sell, if that sells you, then this is the sort of movie. It's like a like a, a black comedy with lots of gross bits in it, lots of flashes of violence in it. Um, there's sequences where, as a whatever, if that sells you, then I would say this is a good one to go in, like knowing nothing about. Well, let's okay. Let me flip this back. I am going to ask: Did you enjoy this movie? Love this movie. Yeah, had it's a great so time. fucking good. It's so it's it's very silly. It's very funny. Uh, all the characters are very charming and also detestable yeah. in the best possible way. Um, all these characters that are like fucking cartoonishly e- like Ill- evil Everyone's billionaire type dudes. in a very empathetic way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very empathetic, gross billionaire dudes in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, it looks great. It's good fun. Definitely worth seeing. Uh, and if you want to go and watch it. So, we went to a preview screening. Did we? Yes. Oh, fuck. So, it does not have a general release. Well, sorry. It's got a general release, but it's not out as of recording. But it's probably getting close. So, this might get like a holiday release. So, you should catch it in cinemas if you can. Yeah, cool. Okay, great. So, that said, that's the standard caveat. I I think we'll try not to spoil it too much. Maybe let's go for like, you know, 10 minutes and then we'll we'll free-for-all it or something. Yeah, sure. Um, So... Uh, Should we, would it help to go over like the cast of people on this yacht to give like... So, okay, I feel like we're already erasing the first part of the movie. And the reason why I bring this up is because I listened to an interview with a guy, uh, Ruben Oostland, the director, talked about um, he enjoys films with turning points. Okay, so go ahead then, yeah. He enjoys films with turning... Yeah, sorry, fuck you. Fuck whatever you were saying. No, no. He enjoys films with turning points that reflect the themes of the film, the same themes, but in a different or an inverted way, right? So, he he enjoys starting a film with a, this whole, like, array and configuration of the characters and certain power, dy- especially power dynamics and relationships. Yeah. And then he likes putting the characters through a situation that completely flips that Yeah, on he does it really well, yeah, right. And inverts that. And he said, I think, I haven't seen Force Majeure, but I think he talks about doing that once in that film basically or exploring that as a concept and then he thought 
or he thought about doing that in one environment, which is like an avalanche. That's what Force Majeure is about. And then in uh, the square, it's about the art collection world. Yeah. Oh, Force Majeure, I think, is about the the father who abandons, like runs away and abandons his family during an avalanche. Yeah, something like that happens. Yeah. Um, Whereas this one, he said, well, I wanted to do it in three different places and I couldn't live without any of them so he says I I wanted to do it in the modeling industry which was the genesis for the whole movie I wanted to do it on this luxury yacht and then a third environment that is we we won't talk about just yet yeah so um, he starts off with this modeling so the the main character and the main character's girlfriend uh, which is because I'm a misogynist and only men are protagonists Um, now there's Harris Dickinson who plays Carl and uh, Shalby, I think is how you pronounce her name. Shalby Dean, who plays Yaya. Shalby dead. Yeah, unfortunately, she did actually die. So <laughs> that's RIP. Um, that's not a joke. She uh, she was like 32 and she died this year of some complication from an infection, which is really unfortunate because this was definitely like a breakout role. <laughs> she yeah. was like a model and... Uh, or yeah, a model, and and this did a really good job of performing in this. So I reckon this would have gotten her a lot of gigs uh, if she weren't dead, unfortunately. So <laughs> truly, truly sorry about that. Um, genuinely don't know how to come back from this being like a funny <laughs> bit, but yeah. Um, so it starts off with um, Harris Dickinson at a modeling shoot. And it's like uh, some random guy is like taking a camera around and making everyone do all these different things. Yeah, and the, the, the they're modeling- talking about like H. They're like, um, now you're in a Balenciaga ad and everyone's all serious and whatever. Now you're in an H&M ad. Now you're in an H&M ad and yeah. everyone's all happy. And the he's modeling like, Balenciaga, shoot, H&M. The, mo- the modeling audition is funny. In, in a way, it's like ripping on the modeling industry. But there's yeah. lots of uh, bits where... He'll do a do a walk up and down the room, and they'll give him some very superficial bit of direction, like, "Oh, can you can you can you do that but make your eyes look more sullen or whatever?" Yeah, and he'll do like yeah. exactly the same thing, and they'll be like, "Oh, perfect." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just it's like immediately abs- it feels absurd, and yeah. I think the thing about the I think the thing about um, Carl, the main character, is that he feels that absurdity and he sort of can't, he just has to ignore it. Like, I think he doesn't see, it doesn't seem like he grew up in this environment. I actually don't know if that's correct or not, like based on the character, but I think so. It doesn't feel like he's of money. And so when he's dealing with all of these upper, like higher class kind of things, I think he always feels a little bit like he's an imposter in those circles, which is a perfect setup for, and I think they do that by how off, like off put he is by all of the weird requests and how absurd yeah. it all feels. He's there with his shirt off among like thirty other guys that have their shirts off, and then he just gets paint thrown on him. Yeah, good and shit. that's the fucking ad. So the first bit of the movie, the big centerpiece of that first bit where they're just like in Paris or whatever at some modeling show. Yeah, is he goes on a dinner date with his super rich, white paid his way higher than model him girlfriend, yeah. Instagram influencer girlfriend yeah. or whatever. Uh, and they have like an extended twenty-minute argument about who pays for dinner, yeah, which was so funny and so well done. And I, I could have honestly enjoyed the movie if it was just the whole movie was that argument. That it was is like such a painful <laughs> scene. <laughs> it rules so hard because it's like it's it's them both be trying to be polite and be and him at first going like, oh, you're, no, you're right, it doesn't matter. I, I'm happy to pay. Who cares? He's not- and then he'll be like. Actually, <laughs> yeah, he's not trying. I mean, I feel like he's trying to be polite, and she is not 
trying at all to be polite. Like, like, or engage in the argument at all. This is maybe me projecting here, but yeah. I think she is like... Uh, by the end of the movie, like he's not a you know he's not a good guy either necessarily. Like I'm not saying he's not yeah, flawed, yeah, yeah. but in this initial scene, um, he like l- like basically looks at the bill. She pretends not to see it, and when as soon the <laughs> second that his fingers touch the dish, she's like, "Oh, thanks, honey." Yeah, and then he's like, uh, he just has to pull it pull the reins back and say like. Actually, I would like us to have a conversation about maybe me not paying this time. And she is so like, oh, I mean, I didn't realize that you needed it to be about money. Like that's, and he's like, well, I don't need it to be about money, but it's just, I just, yeah. And then it's kind of like she said she would pay yesterday, and so he thought she would, but then she pretended not to see the bill. Yeah, the the way the way I love the way he gets into the very. It's it's like a fantasy of like not that I've been in the situation, but you've been in any sort of analogous situation where someone has said something that is obviously a flippant lie, and you're like, I would seem like a lunatic if I called you on that lie. She's she really honestly gaslights him. It's fucking very. Like very strange to see it done so realistically because I have been in a relationship with someone that acts that way and it makes you feel fucking insane. And seeing it on screen, I was like exasperated. (laughs) Yeah, I think even even outside of like relationships and like this specific situation, I think any social situation where someone has said something that is obviously a lie, but you can't call them on it because you would seem like a lunatic for calling them on that. When she is like, oh, I I guess I just didn't see the bill. But she knows exactly what to say that's going to make him feel like he's he's a lunatic for bringing it up. Exactly. That's what's fucking crazy. And he goes like, well, you, you, you didn't see... You didn't, you, what do you mean you didn't see the bill? The waiter came over in a bright red top and then put the thing down on the counter and said, "Here's the bill." You didn't. Yeah. You didn't see him say she that. She was you texting didn't the whole time. Hear him say that. Uh, so you're like, <laughs> it's the kind of thing. This didn't happen, but it's the kind of thing where he was like, "You'd have to be fucking stupid, yeah. not to have seen the bill put yeah, and down." She just and she's goes, like, oh, "Don't call it. me fucking stupid." Yeah. Like, no, I wasn't saying that. I'm saying you're not. Like, it's it insane. It's so this this horrifying. argument goes on for like. 20 minutes. It's crazy. I yeah. love it. And yeah. then the movie cuts to... Uh, then they're on the yacht. On the yacht. Yes. Like, months later or whatever. And yeah. somehow they're still together. And you're like, damn. Yeah, because there's my a... boy kept his cool. There's like a little bit where they go up to the hotel room and sort of make up... Yeah. Like, make friends. But, yeah. It's um, it it, it sort of moves quite a lot. And then suddenly they're in this different environment. You're not really sure where they sit. Yeah. And, yes, they're with these, like, the ultra-rich on this boat. There are, like, arms dealers. There's, like, uh, it's billionaires. Like, yeah. just people from all these different walks. But the uni- the uniting element is they are fucking rich. Yeah. But we open on the boat, I think, on the crew of the boat. And I, I guess so, yeah, whatever. And so, my point is that what actually gets established very quickly is that this boat is a microcosm of, like, normal society where you've got these ultra-rich people up on the top decks who are enjoying their time and most of them are there for free. Yeah. You've got the uh, white crew members who are uh, the ones that do direct service to the people, the ultra-rich people. And then down in the bowels of the ship... You have these people working, like, crew that you're not supposed to see. People yeah. who work in the kitchens, people who work in the engine room, all those kind of things. And it literally goes through each of these three kind of groups. Yeah. And shows you 
the relative experiences of all of those three people. Yeah. Or three groups of people. My, um, my which f- sets up, obviously, what I think this film is mostly about, which is... Mm. Um, I wouldn't say it's like a class analysis, because it's not really... It's sort of uh, the listening to the director. He talks a lot. Sorry, I, I know I'm interrupting you, but yeah. listening to the director, he talks a lot about like sociological experiments, and he he likes putting people in situations where they fail to be a good person. And so I think it's yeah. I think it's putting people in the situation where they fail to be to be a good person through a lens of class in that like people have access to resources or not like who's in control of the situation who's in control of the the key skills or resources here because when they're on the yacht it's all of the ultra rich people that have the money and everything and then something happens which strips them of all of their essentially like none of that means anything anymore and so it kind of is asking the question of like right well if you level the playing field and you give a different people opportunity in the same way, and power and authority, what, how do they then behave? Yeah, so we can and talk. We can talk about that in a second because I, I think yeah. it, it sounds like we're dancing around stuff. But um, uh, I, I think that the interesting bit about like sort of the the consequences of what you were talking about there is that there's a lot of stuff in the movie where uh, on this cruise there's all this fabulously wealthy, insane, rich stuff happening, and the the rich people just don't value it or don't see it as special at all. So you get yeah. a lot of like. They're entitled to it. Comedy out of out of that. Just pe- people mm. like like the, the um they get like a orange pelican case like uh, air lifting like three jars of Nutella onto the fucking oh, yacht. Oh, fucking forgot about that. Just because this dude like wants his wife a jar of Nutella, and then the crew keep like making fun of him for the Nutella later on in the movie. Yeah, being like, "Oh, go get go get your fucking Nutella, bro. What's going on?" The um, um the most painful part of that whole the of the yacht the, the like the rich entitlement on the yacht is um when there's a uh, one of the rich women who's super drunk tries to be really friendly to one of the crew kind of oh no it's just a random member of the crew yeah and she's like she like demands that the whole crew she's like it's not fair that we're just up here like enjoying ourselves you should enjoy yourself you you should go for a swim, and the crew member is like, "Oh no, it's uh, like I'm on I'm on shift. Like it's work. It's fine. it's fine. Don't worry about it." And this rich person is so like I f- what I felt happened is like they're so fucking guilty about being rich, and they have such a persecution complex that they get in their head. I have to make someone enjoy themselves so yeah. that I feel less bad. So she literally demands that every the single whole member of the crew, crew yeah. go <laughs> for a swim. And it's like, you think that's going to fix anything? Like, what the fuck? It's so infuriating it's to great. hear this and woman just like put her foot down <laughs> and be like, you have to fucking enjoy they, yourself. I'm in charge. I get to say when you do that. They call into the kitchen and they're like, Get, get everyone from the kitchen to put on the swimmers and go for a swim. It's and the so chef's just like, fucking stupid. all right. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah. And some of the characters are like, this is ridiculous. And some of them are like, yeah, this is not the first time we've been asked to do this kind of stupid shit for these rich idiots. It rules. Um, and the way that it kind of, I don't know, I really appreciate this movie and a lot of the humor. This movie's so funny. It's yeah. really fucking funny. And I think the way that it gets a lot of that humor is by like very clearly making those people behave in a way that is so abhorrent yeah but so unaware of themselves that Absolutely. i think is fucking fantastic my, my favorite character in the whole movie 
was uh, the Polish guy who owns all the fertilizer businesses. Oh, he's Russian, right? I think I think so. Yeah, some sort of Eastern he's, European. Yeah, he's Russian because he talks about this. Because him and here's a giant fucking twist. <laughs> Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Is the probably the biggest name attached to this movie actually? So Woody Harrelson is the captain of the ship. Should we cut that out? You can bleep no, that fine. out. Bleep that out if you don't want to reveal who the captain is until later, because I think that was a funny. funny oh no, I, I, no, it's fine. But anyway, they talk about an American Marxist and a Russian. Oh, sorry, yeah, an American Marxist and a Russian capitalist. Yeah. So this Russian dude is like. So I don't know. Yeah, he he's got a really good sense of humor about him. I think it rules. And so like, there's there's this middle bit where the ship is. I feel like this is spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. If, if you want to see the movie, the ship's going through some rough waters. Right, right. The ship is like p- people are pretty sure the ship is going to fucking sink. Like people think that they're about to fucking die. Yeah. Uh, and Woody Harrelson and this Russian shit king uh, are just like having a drunken argument about the merits of capitalism and communism over the ship's like. Tannoy yeah, so there's like the the setup is which is such a good setup, and also like f- we'll probably do a bit of a warning about this. Like the um, they have the captain's dinner one night, and they're trying to figure out when they can do the captain's dinner. And he, the um, Woody Harrelson is a drunk who's like locked himself in his fucking room, <laughs> and so the, the chief of staff or whoever the fuck on the ship is like chief of crew is like talking to him through the room door and she's like when can we do the captain's dinner and, and she's like every day is good except Thursday and he goes Thursday alright we'll do it Thursday she's like no I said except Thursday he's like fuck you I said Thursday <laughs> and so the, she, the reason she was saying Thursday is bad is because there's going to be a storm and the ship is oh, going to be rolling back right. and forth and so then but then because they could only get him out of his room on the Thursday they do the dinner on the Thursday and so all of the guests are subjected to this fucking dinner <laughs> where the ship is like the worst roll it's ever been doing. And they're eating like doing. oysters. They're eating the richest food, just unlimited fucking champagne and all sorts. It's horrible. And um, yeah, so fair warning. <laughs> you watch you watch every single member of the cast projectile vomit on screen. It's so bad. For about three or four minutes. They're like... They're like sliding around in it. This it's lady so that like fucking bad will only drink champagne, and so Ugh. she vomits, and then drinks champagne to get the taste of the vomit out of her mouth, and then vomits up the champagne again. It's you it see rules. it. It rules. Like, you see it to the point where you're like, are they vomiting? How did yeah, they do that? To, like this clearly required complex prosthetics <laughs> to achieve the puke <gasps> yeah. and the shit. So it, it it really puts you through it, and it also like uh, genuinely, if you get really motion sick in films, I'm kind of surprised this didn't fuck you up. I saw it with someone that definitely got fucked up by it, but um, but uh, it the camera is constantly lilting back and forth, and it yeah. it did make audience members seasick. So that's wild. Um, if you do get <laughs> seasick from stuff, just you can. You get the point from this bit. You can skip around it. Like yeah. it's yeah, it's still yeah. worth watching because some stuff happens before and after. But it really fucking puts you through it. The promotional materials they gave out at Cannes Film Festival were sick bags. That rules. Oh god. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Okay. This is your spoiler warning because we want to talk about the last bit of the yes. movie, which is like the last half, by the way. Yeah. So it's not like there's a twist at the end. This happens no. and is a core part of. But the it's film. just a nice thing to spoiler not nice alert. thing to not know about. Yeah. Super um, spoiler alert. So. The ship gets attacked by pirates. <laughs> yeah, it does. 
and gets blown up by the same hand grenades that the people on the boat yeah. manufacture. Oh, that was the, the just wife, beautiful. The wife like picks up the pinless grenade and goes, oh, honey, isn't this one of ours? And then there's just a big fucking explosion. <laughs> Good shit. Yeah. And then they are marooned on a desert island for the rest of the fucking movie. Yeah. Shipwrecked at the disco. Which is so funny. It rules. Um, and suddenly all of these billionaire people are like useless on the island. Yeah, because then it's like, well, what have you got? The woman, one of the service members that survived the attack was like, she like cleans the toilets on the ship. And she is Abigail. like the most skilled person on the island. And she becomes like the fucking leader of this group of billionaires and shit on the island because she's the only one who knows how to make fire. She's the only one who knows how to catch fish. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's another thing where it's like, y- you love to see... Uh, it's the sort of thing where in the same way as like watching Carl have this argument with his girlfriend where it's like a fantasy argument where you, not, in real life, you would never be able to have that argument with anyone. Yeah. I feel like this is another example where it's like, in no other movie do you get to actually see like this played out where it's like, well, yeah, these rich people are rich for no reason and there is someone that is yeah, actively yeah, more skilled yeah. and you get to see the person who is more skilled. Like, Oh, you're a billionaire? Oh, cool. Yeah. I can fish. Th- yeah, right. Th- you get to see like thrive in an environment where the billionaires would starve. Yeah, and so, so you have sick. like the billionaires like offering her their Literally Rolexes Literally the moment where they're shit. like, where she like points to, I don't, I can't remember if she does it or not, but she, basically everyone gets pointed to and she's like, can you start a fire? And everyone's like, no. Can you start a fire? No. Can you start a fire? <laughs> no. It's like, great. So it looks like I'm the only person that can start a fire, which means yeah. I'm in charge. Yeah. It's so it's good. It's so good. It's so good. It's and so awesome. she spends the rest of the movie like, Picking who on the island she wants to fuck. Yeah, she just. That's what's so good about this is then that's the inversion is it gives someone from the crew of the ship all of the power. Yeah. And shows what she does with it. And she's. She definitely doesn't make the most morally upstanding choices. Although you sort of understand a lot more why she's doing it than some of the rest of them were. Yeah. You know? But it's also like boys beach party for the rest of the movie yeah and you get to watch like uh, all these billionaire dudes bro out in the way that makes them very charming and very funny and they're so funny some of them are fun yeah they're genuinely like quite a bit of humour to it and so the, the island scene it the movie never stops being funny the whole way through also I will say it doesn't the puke and shit and stuff it's doing that to make you uncomfortable that's not like what's funny about it you know what I mean yeah some people would say that's funny I generally get put off by stuff like it that, do but that this very was much. so fucking ludicrous that, yeah, and it's like 10 minutes and then it's done. Yeah. The rest minutes. of the movie, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it might be more than 10, but like it's not, yeah. It ends and you're like, thank God, and then it's done. But the rest of the movie is, is funny, truly just due to the writing and the performance and all credit to all of the creatives on this because it fucking ruled. And the performances really, like, yeah. cement that. I, I really loved it. I feel like one of those characters that was... Uh, there's a character that's had a stroke or something and can only say, like, one specific phrase yeah, in, in German. German. right? Do you remember what the phrase is? In den Wolken. In den Wolken. <laughs> and she just says, in den Wolken. Which is into the clouds or just something? Just means in the clouds. In the clouds. In the clouds. Right. Uh and so she, and so she. That's the only sentence that she's capable of saying, and it's, it's like maybe funny the first time, and then fucking annoying, and the longer it goes on, it like goes full Comes background and right becomes back funny again. again. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> she has to do it in different situations. It's really yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. So I think I don't know the the, the it's sort of 
the whole way through, I mean, he talked about these three different chess boards, the modeling industry, the luxury yacht, and then the deserted island. And what he's really doing is he's placing all of these different characters in different configurations in each one of these like chess boards so that you see how it plays out when they're all in different starting yeah, positions. Yeah, and it's, it's very satisfying to have one character on the boat explain in great detail why what they think they're doing is correct yes, and okay. exactly. And then when that what, logic the, what is... What story have you told yourself yeah, to justify uh, this? And then when that logic is then flipped back around, on, back at them, like, 20 minutes later, yeah. when they're on the island, for example, and suddenly they're like, look, duh, duh, like frantically trying to talk their way out of the shit that they were completely happy with half an hour. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't know. So I feel like it's very- And it's like, you see, like, you being, someone, a character will be like, you're being a hypocrite right now. And the character who's being a hypocrite will be like, yeah, I am. And <laughs> and you would be being a fucking hypocrite too if you were in my situation. So don't act like you're better than me. Yeah. And everyone's squabbling in the dirt. You know what I mean? That's what this movie's yeah. doing. Just- I, f- I feel like this is a movie where it's 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 silly and it's dumb and it's larger than life. But also, there are so many situations where I would be like, oh, that is exactly how I would have that argument. Yeah, it's like- very... Very realistically written, yeah, and, which is something I really enjoyed about it. It was like it was very satisfying yep. in watching. Is that you? I, I feel like there was several situations where I, I, a lesser movie, I would have been like suspending my disbelief in a way which would have been just as interesting and just as funny. Mm. But the fact that this was so mirroring exactly what I would be doing and uh, exactly what I think would actually happen if I was on a desert island like this mm. made it a lot more satisfying to watch because I thought, like, oh, these people have fucking thought about it. Like, yeah, yeah, I watch. I think something that's also kind of key to unlocking like why this movie is as good as it is is the director. Uh, Ruben Ustlin's I just want to say his name again (laughs) Ruben Ustlin's attention to detail and also his um, he's an extremely like considered director Uh, he talks I I listened to a couple of interviews with him he talks about how his mother he was raised by a single mother who is one of the she's an out and out communist hell yeah um and uh, he has a brother who he refers to as a right-wing liberal, which I think is very funny. Um, <laughs> but, like, so he was raised in a very politically active family. And also, as a director, he um, he's quite, like... Uh, he's very involved. He's not all about the conceptual story. Like, he's right there in every single moment, and he's making some very careful decisions about each particular shot and scene. Yeah. Um, so, he's, he's right there on the big broad story things of like I'm looking at this as like what if what this is a sociological experiment I get to do where I put all these people in this situation but he's also um, thinking like thematically he talks about like uh, one of the reasons he made the characters like male or like a you know uh, models is like he sees beauty as a currency so like one of the few things that you can use to climb up in class society besides money and education is beauty. So that's why these people are on the yacht is like, they're beautiful. So he's got this kind of like really, I think quite an interesting grasp on the themes of the movie. Yeah. But also, um, so that diner scene that we talked about or the din- sorry, dinner, dinner restaurant kind of scene. Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. Um, uh, in his breakdown of a scene, which I think variety does. Oh, we'll link it. Yeah. I'll have we'll to link it that. below. Yeah. Um, but he oh, talks will, about placing. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, future editing Oscar. <laughs> so he talks about placing um, uh, Carl and Yaya in uh, in a like basically in a corner of the restaurant. So the whole time, Carl's 
back is against a wall and he's in slight darkness and Yaya is in uh, in front of an open space and light. Yeah. And so he's kind of he he wanted to make it feel like Carl had his back up against a wall and he was cornered in the discussion that he was having about the bill. Yeah. Right? And to the point where he was like, he said, I really wanted to make sure that like Carl's entire upper body was in the shot because so much of the body language, so much of how he carries himself in the scene is about the body language. And actually to the point where he talks about, he he made a decision to go in tighter on him and then changed his mind in the edit. So he digitally zoomed out the shot so that it's a wider shot and you can see more of the room. How do you do that? I think you have to like digitally paint stuff into the edges of the frame. <laughs> um, but the fact that he was thinking so much about that scene, he talks about he's very pedantic. He lets, so th- uh, he gave them a lot of agency over how they interpreted the non-English parts of the script. And the some of these people are non-English speakers speaking English. And so he was like, well, it's your job to figure out the way that you're going to say that thing. Yeah. But there are some lines where even if the English language is wrong, I want you to say it as I've written it in the script. So sometimes he's very pedantic, but sometimes he lets people have a lot of freedom. Yeah, cool. And he's got this really interesting approach to doing takes where he says, I tend to do a lot of takes, but what I do is I say, I reach a certain point in in the the scene that we're doing. He does uh, a lot of takes from every angle that he shoots generally. Right. But um, he does this thing where he says, okay, we've got five more takes. And I count it down. I go like five. This is the fourth one. This is the third one. And then on the last take, he has a gong on set. (laughs) And he rings the gong. (laughs) And then he says, okay, when the sound stops, whoever has the first line in this scene, after the sound is gone, when you feel ready, you start. That's, That's a weird technique. What, did he give a rationale for why he does it that way? He didn't. But what I think that's doing is, I think, number one, it gives you a sense of, like, unlike, like, Stanley Kubrick or David Fincher, who do, yeah. like, 60 takes, and they're like, it'll, it's done when I decide it's done. So, you, as an actor, you just have no concept of, like, uh, how far It gives far them a bit of agency over it. It tells them, like, you got five more. But also, it's very freeing in that it's, like, you know you have one after this if you don't want to put everything on the table or you don't want to try something weird or whatever. Yeah. So I think the f- we, we're going to do five more is actually a really great like semi-structured way to approach it. That is cool, yeah. The gong thing is sick because... <laughs> the gong it, thing is crazy. It's a sense where the, you give the, the person who's opening the scene, you're essentially giving them all the fucking power because yeah. they get to pick when they start. Yeah. And like... Oh, and he gets the whole crew behind the monitor to watch the last take. Right. So it's this thing. I'd love where to know like, if any of these last takes are usable or not. <laughs> oh, I reckon. I reckon like a lot of the ones in the movie would be the last take, but I also think a lot of the ones in the movie, depending on what he wants out of the shot, would not be the last take. And you can use it to throw people off, right? Where you can say like, if some, if if you learn that an actor is like, they will do something, they won't let themselves go until the last take. If it's a scene where you need them to be really refined and in control, you say, okay, we're going to do five more and you use the third one. Yeah. But if it's an, a, a character, or if it's a moment where you need them to be fucking completely flat on like on the floor by the end of it, they've used everything. It's like, yeah, we're probably going to be using the last one by now. So I really yeah, like rules. that approach. And he seems so considered. And uh, I feel like he, one of the reasons this movie is so good, but also involves like puke and shit, is that <laughs> he's... 
That's kind of like our podcast in a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, are, good without any right to be. That's right. <laughs> flashes of brilliance, but lots of puke and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or, you know, very carefully consider use yeah. of puke and shit. There'll be very, very rough bits in our podcast where people will have to warn their friends and go, there's a bit that goes for 10, yeah, you, maybe 20 minutes. Maybe 20 minutes. You can <laughs> skip, just skip past that as good stuff on either side of it, I promise. <laughs> And also, if that if you're into that, then it's good to it's yeah. Just, you, just a certain kind of taste. You know? If you yeah. get ten minutes and you think maybe this isn't for me, power through it. Yeah, power, you just got to you just got to stick with it. Man. Yeah. It, it becomes really funny. Yeah, the, there's a bit where you and I beat this a donkey to death a towards well. the end of this episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I uh, I am vegetarian, so um, it's very similar. <laughs> um, okay, I I think I've kind of yeah I've kind of summed up how I felt about the movie. But I think, I don't know, when I walked out of it, I had a lot of feelings about like, how the fuck did this get made? How did this... Why did this get made? What was the mind behind this? Yeah, exactly. I feel like listening to the director talk, it's actually like, he just wants to do interesting stuff. He also talked about wanting to make a film that felt like a roller coaster, not just for you, like the single person watching it. (laughs) fucking roasted not just for you <laughs> fuck yeah the virgin the loser <laughs> watching this i mean he didn't want to make a movie that you would watch at home by yourself he wanted to make a movie that felt like it should be watched in a group setting yeah and i saw this with four other people one of which was your lucky self not you the listener oscar unfortunately if you yeah. want to see a movie together hit me up yeah but um but i think this is actually a great group movie it's great we were laughing the whole cinema was reacting to it it's one of the few movies where that didn't bug the shit out of me and honestly I think the vomit stuff uh, that's it's not, crowd it's not, stuff. It's, it's it's like a th- it's it's a small part of the movie. You don't yeah, have to really worry about the bomber stuff. It's the just very it, notable. Yeah, but it was fun to be in a crowd where the whole crowd goes, oh, it's so bad. Yeah. It's great, and like the the donkey thing, uh, we had people in the audience like walk out yeah, when yeah, they like people killed, in front of us like, killed this donkey I've seen enough and walked out. Yeah, but I kind of like that because it was like the whole crowd united like in this, like, spectacle of horror mm. in the movie. Like, United against the guys, you, like, but also conflicted being like, well, they got to do it. Like, yeah. it, it was I, great, yeah. It was great. You and can I, hear different people's breaking points or, like, yeah. when they feel like, you know, how how different audience members mm. react to different stuff, which I think is the whole point, and I think this is this director's MO. He wants to he wants to put everyone together. He, he says he loves talking about movies. He loves talking about themes. He wants to make people have a conversation, but he's not interested in having everyone have a sit-down discussion. He yeah. wants to put everyone through the ride yeah. and let people talk and about I, how they experience it. I think it. at the end of this long conversation, that's probably the best way to experience the movie. I feel like there's been a lot of high-flying ideas coming out of you that yep. I like, but when we came out of the movie, we were just saying, fuck, that was so much fun. It was God, it's so ruled. much fun. It's really funny. Yeah. And it's incredibly interesting and engaging to watch. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a comedy with enough interesting, thoughtful bits in it where you're like, I don't know, it's just a little extra spice, a little bit of extra yeah, I'd cr- almost crispy shallots on top of the movie. I'm like, God, I love Chris. I've been banging the crispy shallots in a fucking big way, dude. Brother, Such a good little... Uh, in a, oh, aren't yeah. we all in our own little way banging the banging crispy, the crispy shallots. shallots of life? Absolutely, you know? absolutely. Um, I was trying to think of like what other movies kind of come like close to this one. It's kind of this isn't a movie, so I'm aware right. of that. But like, it's a little bit like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think in that 
Yeah, a or, lot of detestable like characters. Where like all of the characters have different flaws, and so that it's kind of just pushes those flaws at certain points in the movie, and so like you you sort of have to root for someone, and it makes them really empathizable. But they're not doing they're doing morally detestable things, very understandably, which is where the humor comes from a lot of the time. Yeah, and, you're right. Um, I, I can't really think of other examples of films that do. This very well. On I the can't spot think right of many now. other touch points. I mean, I think in terms of like recent comedy movies that have a bit of a satirical flair to them, I think this was way better than like Don't Look Up. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is not a, yeah, not a very agree. good touch point. But I, I'm, I'm trying to. It Google doesn't feel like Adam might... McKay at all. No, I mean, look, I thought this was a lot of fun, and, and I think I think that. Uh, our... Oh, the only movie that I could think of that came even close to it was Sorry to Bother You. Um, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I'll will sign off on that. I don't think it's nearly as political as Sorry to Bother You, like at all. But in terms of like a funny, satisfying comedy with a bit more under the surface going to it, I think that's a good a good touch point. And yeah. honestly, I think uh, I, I think fucking White Lotus is a good touch point. For oh this. yeah, sure, totally. I think yeah, if you yeah, like sure. White Lotus, you'll like this. Yeah. Uh, it's a, a a silly dark comedy uh, with lots of very satisfying, very stupid stuff happening in it. I think it's great. And so many great performances all around. I feel like uh, didn't give an enough shout out to the performances but there's uh, a lot of great actors doing all, a lot of very silly stuff in this fantastic yeah absolutely great. highly recommended from us uh, it's like a nine out uh, this was like a nine and a half out of ten for me could probably be a ten on the watch yeah. I, one of my favorite movies i had a lot of fun with this for sure and i just looked it up it's coming out in australia on boxing day so okay there you go by the time this drops go and see this with your family <laughs> something to look forward to i think i think you're probably good it's probably a good one although just your mum might not be so comfortable with some of the or your or your dad Y- yeah. Or your dad, yeah. probably your mum. Some of your family members might not love the puke and shit. The more classy, highfalutin members of yeah. your family might not be into the bit at the dinner. But other than that, it's fine. There's an old lady who throws up on the toilet while she's shitting her pants. Oh, fuck, I forgot And then about she that. rolls around in the no, puke that bit and shit rules. for like that bit about 20 rules. seconds. Yeah. And that's probably the low point of the movie for me. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'll say, I'll say uh, one, yeah. one last bit. There is a bit where um, the boat floods with shit yeah it floods with poo water it's yeah. and i was able to say through lived experience that's not what poo water floods look like <laughs> <laughs> which i think you might have talked about yeah. before so listeners you can play a little bit of uh yeah. cat and mouse and go and find that episode uh, I, if you like, want. I was like my house is flooded with poo water before and it doesn't look like that it's more viscous than that <laughs> that's so disgusting <laughs> on that horrible fucking note (laughs) thank you for joining us I'm Oscar yeah I'm Andrew see you later love you guys bye this year we've had to lose our space we've lost dancing we've lost the hugs with friends and and people that we loved things that we took for granted. We've lost dancing. We've lost dancing. If I can live through this next six months, day by day, if I can live through this, what comes next? will be marvelous. <laughs>